0: all right hello everybody welcome to Rabbit weasel podcast episode number 41 we're covering friday the 13th today and today's a little different i'm here your host jared as always uh mia and justin are not here today today i uh, use this episode as an excuse to catch up with an old friend uh matt matt how are you doing good how are you jared i'm doing well uh it's been about how long have you're one of the few people I know who knows more about horror movies than I do, which is why I wanted to get you on here. Um, how long have we known each other now? It's been, I guess, over 10 years. Really? Yeah. Has it been that long?
1: It's, it's I, I, You know, I, students come through our work and that's where we met through work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, it's just sort of a constant stream of different students who sort of yeah. come and go. So It's very hard to place like what year someone was around, you know. Um, yeah 10 years that's amazing um yeah but yeah we met at work and uh because you were a student and I was advisor and I guess uh we just started talking about horror I don't i don't remember exactly how that started getting going but you'd, you'd stop in every once in a while and we'd have long conversations about various horror movies and trends in horror and stuff like that it's mm-hmm. always very interesting so
0: yeah I'd come in and bug you for more than once in a while it was more like <laughs> three or four times a week and until you obviously got too busy <laughs> to <getting> kicked <laughs> me out. No, um, that was cool. Yeah. I remember, so you were one of the first people I met actually at the university because I was transferring and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study. And they sent me over to where you work to talk to you. And actually, I remember it pretty well because you had, I think it was a Friday the 13th poster in your office. It, or probably some other horror it's posters okay. too i said oh hey you like that movie i like that movie too and then you pulled up your sleeve and you have a jason mass tattoo i was like okay yeah. me and this guy are gonna get along so yeah um, and yeah true and, mm-hmm, yep got along really well since then and talked a lot about horror uh you kind of get a head start on me though so by a few years so yeah I mean it's It's hard to catch up
1: with people when they're (laughs) 20 years older or something like that
0: (laughs) well um so how did you first get into horror how old were you uh I'm not exactly
1: sure how old I mean my best guess would probably be around like I don't know between six and ten probably because I would I remember watching them with my mom and she would watch them with me because she was scared to watch them alone, but she liked (laughs) to watch them. Um, So I'd watch them with her and I'd have, you know, my hands over my eyes um, for most of it just peeking through my fingers. Um, But, you know, it was always a really entertaining time. I remember seeing clearly Friday the 13th, part two and Halloween two with her. Um, during that period of time and I know we used to watch uh, like V the series on uh, TV you know when we come out the the lizard people spoiler you know eating rats (laughs) and stuff like that Um, so I think it came mostly from that but also from uh, you know the video store and just that whole experience of going to the video store over and over um, as a kid and I I definitely remember a strong memory of the, the first video store in town, which I must have been around six and going into this video store and walking in and looking at the the VHS on the uh, walls, you know, and seeing Friday the 13th, one, two and three lined up in a row, you know, those, those VHS covers are very similar, but they sort of, you know, progressed in a weird way. But um, I was so fascinated by those covers and I was always wanting to go and rent a horror movie you know whenever it was halloween or whenever there's an excuse i'd be like gotta run a horror movie you know and uh eventually i was able to see them on my own i actually wasn't really able to see r-rated movies for a while i'd have to sneak them you know i'd have to, like watch one hbo or, or or just catch the edited version on tv um but it Or or convince friends to rent them when we were at their place, you know, and tell their parents, "Oh, my parents don't care." Um, But uh, yeah, eventually I was able to rent them on my own, you know, and I just ever watched them. Period, and just caught up on a ton of them, basically from raiding the VHS sections or the horror sections of VHS stores, uh, rental stores.
0: uh, Yeah, that's great. for For me, it was. For me, it was Blockbuster. I'm part of the Blockbuster generation, and a lot of people hate Blockbuster because they kind of killed off the probably the stores like the ones you're talking about. But yeah. Blockbuster is very nostalgic for me for the same reasons, you know. Especially pre-internet, uh, I wasn't really watching horror movies pre-internet. But um, you can, we both remember those times, and uh, you pretty much had a cover, and you had the back of the the box, whatever it said, if it sounded interesting. Maybe you read about something in Fangoria or you heard about it from a friend, but for the most part, you're just walking around until something catches your eye. So you were watching them with your with your mom at a pretty young age, but you weren't watching movies. Like you said, you weren't watching like R. No, definitely not alone.
1: Movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that they wouldn't let me watch them alone. So I, I had to have a parent with me and they didn't always want to watch an R-rated movie. You know, um, my mom liked them, but you know they weren't going to subject me to it that often so I would kind of have to wait for the right time when she's in the right mood and then we'd watch these horror movies but Mm -hmm. um, most of the time she was very concerned about what I was seeing you know when we were watching the horror movie too but I I also remember that she would um, more often tell me to close my eyes when it was like nudity or sex or something on the scene the screen but violence, you know, <laughs> it was up to me basically <laughs> to see the violence or not. Um, but you know, at that young of an age, you're scared. You're scared of it. You know, like you're you're yeah. closing your eyes a lot. But but you you also had this thing of like trying to make yourself keep your eyes open more and more, you know, and try to face it more and more. And I feel like a lot of times me me and horror movies, as a young person, a lot of what I was trying to do with horror movies was almost like try to like condition myself yeah to toughen like up horror or something yeah get a little bit tougher about it and and a uh, face like gore or face like you know death and stuff like that in a, a different way you know mm-hmm. um nothing kind of worked I don't know if it just completely desensitized me or what but in, in some way <laughs> it worked I can watch it no problem now right right um not sure if it's helped my life or anything, but um yeah I don't know uh, you know, the VHS, uh, talking about video stores, I mean, those were always really interesting because, uh, like you were saying, you, you only had the cover to go by, <laughs> and a lot of times the covers would be super awesome, but you'd go home and watch the movie and it'd be terrible. You wouldn't know what was going on in this movie. But I remember talking about um, with you, I think, uh, how I would learn about a movie. But then I'd learn it had like 45 different titles, you know, and so you'd always be looking for these movies, have so like a list of these movies, and then you'd have a list of all these alternate titles for them. And you'd always be trying to look for every single title. Um, I remember driving to many different video stores one day looking for uh, Unsane, which is the VHS title for um, uh, Tenebrae by Mm. uh, Dario Argento. So but it was always so fun trying to find those things at the video store. But then you find the pan and scan, you know, completely edited version. So it really wasn't that great. But good memories, I guess.
0: Yeah, people today, if you're on the younger side, be grateful for what you have. Blu-ray is amazing. Uh, proper widescreen. <laughs> yeah, we, we've progressed a lot. And like you said, not knowing what, um, it seems like the Italian movies that happened a lot when they got brought over. Fulci was the same way, you know, as it seven gates uh seven gates of hell is it city of the living dead is it yeah you couldn't keep all that stuff straight but uh speaking of uh i had that experience of finding movies you're like this looks cool and uh it's not a lot of the full moon films were coming out around that time like uh, prison of the dead hell asylum uh (laughs) yeah so but we're here to talk about um friday the 13th so do you want to do yeah. the the introductions? Tell us the writer, director, all that stuff. I'm sure you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Friday the Thirteenth was, uh, I guess, produced and directed by Sean
1: Cunningham. Um, there's there's more to the producers, um, which is that's a long, complicated story, and I only know a few of the names, but. Um, the, the writers, Victor Miller, but there's also sort of another person involved, Ron Kerrs, who was involved in the writing and says that he rewrote, you know, like 60% of the script or something like that. But I really would never be able to tell you who wrote what what part of the script or what claims are completely accurate. And, and as we now know, uh, Victor Miller has sued for the rights of the, the Jason character and, and other rights. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen with that. And I don't know how what he wrote um figured how how that figures into that judgment but anyway so it, but one of the more important cast or crew members would be Tom Savini and his mm-hmm. assistant um I guess Tasso Stavrakis I think um and uh yeah as you've written down the, the music was by Harry Manfredini um let's see there's a lot of other crew members but those I think you really have pointed out the um those are really the most important ones um, to consider, just trying to think through.
0: Uh, we got Kevin Bacon.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well, going into the actors, that's probably the most famous one now is Kevin Bacon for sure. Um, then it might have been Betsy Palmer um, or, or perhaps one of the other um, older actors. I don't think they had really done a lot at the time, but some of them became more famous later. Um, a lot of the younger actors were working in soap operas at the time. They kind of went from the soap opera world and took from uh, that world to try to find actors who were comfortable with the cameras and um, probably quick changes in lines and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, most of the most of the cast came from that world. So that would be um, our main person, um, Alice, who was played by Adrian King. Uh, it's the final girl uh then there's gosh I always have a bad time remembering the cast names let's see there's uh I think Mark Nelson was Ned uh Bill was Harry Crosby who's Bing Crosby's son Hmm. um uh Steve Christie I forget his name in real life uh let's see um Brenda was Laurie Bartram I think that's Uh, right then Marcy, I can never remember Marcy's name in
0: real life. Uh, Janine Taylor? Janine or, Taylor, okay. Yeah, I maybe. think Janine. See, uh, he's doing all, everybody, he's doing this from memory. I've never <laughs> because I I can't, you know, you, I've seen so many of these slasher movies, and they all kind of blur together, and all the Friday the 13th movies in a lot of ways blur together. I can't, it's hard to keep up with everyone's names. Yeah. I remember you and I played, um, what was it? There was an old board not a board game, but like a trivia game we yeah. played.
1: It's so Friday the 13th, say, uh, Nightmare Elm Street trivia.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah, it came out shortly after uh, Freddy versus Jason, and I have it. And I would pull out these cards, and it would say stuff like, who was the third person killed in part seven? And you would know their names. So you're pretty serious about these films. <laughs> so what um, – I think we already talked about your first memory. You said you saw – friday the 13th part two on tv with halloween too
1: yeah they were around the same time frame when i saw both of them yeah mm-hmm. but that yeah friday the 13th part two is definitely the first one i saw i think it must have been around six or wow. so um and yeah scared me to death of course but uh it was very fun. Uh, after that, I'm not really sure which ones I saw. After that, I remember talking to friends about these movies. Like you said, you kind of would talk to friends about, "Oh, I saw this scene," and this this one that I saw I had this scene. I remember we talked about the the scene in part four where the hitchhiker gets um eats a banana and then gets her throat uh, yeah. stabbed. You know, uh, I remember talking about that with friends in like probably fourth grade. You know, so you know, I but I don't remember having seen that at that time. Mm-hmm. But I know I'd seen some, you know, it was like you said, at, at the time, they all kind of, you would just catch little bits and pieces on TV and you wouldn't know which part you were watching. You wouldn't even know if it was probably 13th or not. But uh, eventually, I remember sitting down and kind of watching through all of them sort of methodically and saying, well, I want to start from the beginning and watch right. what what we've seen so far. Um, and that was probably when I was 13, when I was like, when part eight came out, I was like, yeah, I want to sit
0: down and see all of them. <laughs> you okay. know? So did you catch any of them? You're still a little on the younger side when these movies are coming out. Uh, Did you catch any of them in theaters? Uh,
1: Actually, the first one I caught in theaters was part nine,
0: believe it or not, was
1: Jason Goes to Help, but mainly because I couldn't get into them before then. Now I have friends that would get into them all the time. I don't know, but I... If you know me, like I always looked at, when I was young, I looked about six years younger than I was at all times. Like when I was uh-huh. 20, I looked about 13, right? <laughs> so, you know, they really didn't want to let me in. I didn't look like any age, like I should be in those movies, but I probably had to show ID for Jason Goes to Hell, you know. Um, but I did get to later see uh, Friday the 13th, part one in, in the, at the uh, University Revival Cinema here, on 35 millimeter or whatever they played it on in like the mid nineties. So that was nice. <laughs> so as far as ones I've seen in the theater, I've seen part one and then I've seen, um, part, uh, part nine on, I guess. in the theaters.
0: Yeah. Everything since then. And I have to say everybody, if my voice gives out, I apologize. This was my first week back at school, uh, as a teacher. So I pretty much lost my voice by about Thursday and didn't speak much the last couple, uh today to help it recover but it's still probably going to give out so sorry about that um so how would you rate this film among the series the first one i really like i love
1: the first one i know a lot of people want jason to be in it or they just don't think that there's enough going on i don't know what what they think about it for but they they kind of rate it low but i rate it pretty high i would say you know, it's probably the second best one after part four. I don't, I used to put part two up as my favorite, but whenever I watch part two again, I'm like, well, it's, it's a lot of, um, it's really short. <laughs> There's just not, not a lot going on there. It really gets over really quickly. And I still love it, but it's, you know, the first four are probably my top out of, out of, out of all of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and within those, I would probably say like part four, then part one two and three but I really love all of them you know it's really hard to pick
0: um, from those but objectively the first few films are probably the best in the series uh, me personally though I if I'm going to watch a Friday the 13th film I'm probably picking one of the later ones because they're just so crazy and I like zombie indestructible jason uh (laughs) so i wanted to tell everybody uh, i've been wanting to talk about this movie and this this series for a long time because it was um very important to me becoming a horror fan i was not one of these people who watched like horror movies as a kid uh my parents were pretty um pretty protective about that kind of stuff you know but um I was always into like kids horror stuff. Goosebumps at that time was really popular, scary stories. Um, And I actually saw the first real horror movie I ever saw was Candyman with Tony Todd. Uh, It was also the first R rated movie I ever saw. I was, I think eight years old at a sleepover party and I was messed up for a long time. So that, that shut me off from horror for a few years. Um, But Go back a little bit. I think my first memory, Jason's one of those characters like, you know, Frankenstein, even if you've never seen the movie, you're kind of familiar with them from pop culture. Um, Have you ever seen Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation?
1: I don't, I don't think so. I used to watch (laughs) Tiny Toons, but I wouldn't know if I've seen that one. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a part in that movie where they pick up a hitchhiker and it's obviously kind of a leather face slash Jason combo. Um... So, of course, I had heard about Jason before, and I remember um, there was a brief period in time, or a convenience store nearby our house would sell DVDs, and I went in, this was shortly after Jason X came out, and uh, I remember the cover art really caught my attention on Jason X, and it was something to do with space and a killer, and it interested me. But the first one I actually saw was um, Freddy versus Jason. This was what... 2003 it came out so I was still but when it came out I was still 12 years old and I didn't I'd never seen either one of those series so it's kind of funny that the first one I saw was the the mashup that everybody else had been waiting for for a decade you know um but of all things somehow I talked to my mother into taking me to see this movie and my mom does not like gore she likes horror movies but this is not her style you know and I just remember some of the stuff. There's there's sex scenes in that movie, and there's like decapitations and stuff in that movie. Being like, "Oh, I'm pretty lucky I got to see this," but it's awkward sitting next to my mom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I took ahead. my
1: dad to see Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs>
0: <So> yeah.
1: <laughs> I saw Jason Goes to Hell in the theater like three times, but yeah, it, it was kind of odd taking him to
0: it. I don't know why I wanted him to see it so badly, but. Anyway. That movie. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> we'll try and stick to the original, I guess, because okay. um, we could just go on about the others for forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Freddy versus Jason. So I loved it. You know, I'd never seen anything like that. It was really cool. It was, it was for a twelve year old who hadn't seen me horror movies. It was a little scary, but not really. It was more cool. You know, they're fighting. So I fell yeah. in love with it, and after that, I tracked down um, the entire collection of both series and watched all the movies from the beginning to the end, and and got really big into those series. I think I've always been more of a Jason person, not for any particular reason. That's just how it worked out. So, and that really started. That's where my love of horror, uh, you know, I guess the adult world of horror movies uh, really started, and the slasher genre became my first genre that I was really interested in. Now, you're a big fan of the slasher genre in general right it's oh, not yeah. just so what is it about um this particular genre cuz i think it it draws more um enthusiasm from fans than maybe any other subgenre people go crazy for their slasher movies what what is it that draws us to these movies so much
1: yeah well you know it's interesting i mean i remember you know when i was younger that they were pretty much like the the redheaded stepchild of like yeah. the horror movies you know and like whenever a horror director would talk about their new movie they would be sure to say like like it's not a slasher though like it's not like one of those and people would just really always talk down about slashers but when we would go to see them you know we would love them you know so I always I feel like they are really kind of like a uh um like we feel like it's our our sort of secret uh Uh, pleasure is these these slasher movies that everyone says are so terrible but yet we know are so great you know um and we kind of feel like we're being a little bit rebellious i think watching them absolutely um but i also like i i do like the kind of realistic aspect that like maybe this can happen like probably could it like but i mean they're all most of them are based off what like richard speck murders which is like when richard speck went into like a sorority house of nurses and killed them all one by one. I mean, it's not like this is this impossible thing that can never happen. Um, Maybe it couldn't happen today so easily with cell phones and stuff like that, but um, the people are afraid of it for a real reason. And it's not like Dracula where like, you have to believe in vampires to be truly scared of Dracula, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can really be afraid that someone might be in your house, you know, Um, or, when you're taking a shower, you could really believe that someone could come in there and stab you to death. Um, so I feel like it's a little bit of that, like we feel like we're being a little rebellious or getting away with something or, but also that it's just kind of, um, I don't know, like more more scary, a little more realistic, more evolving in that sense. Um, I always felt like I, I kind of um, was always watching the, um, the people that were getting killed in them, you know, to see what kind of stuff they were doing, you know, like they would always do more fun stuff, I think, too. Like they would, you know, have more sex, do more drugs. <laughs> like just yeah. you'd learn more about life from them than, than anybody than any other ones. Um, yeah. Although definitely in horror movies in general, like you're you've got that. But especially in the 80s, it was all about young people getting killed one by one. But um yeah, I don't know. I guess it, it's hard to say exactly what what it is, but that's those are kind of the things I
0: said a lot mm-hmm. there's just something something appealing about the the formula yeah that, that you know you've seen it before but you want to see it again uh and i think you you touched on something the rebellious aspect uh that these movies are still not so much now but especially back then were taboo you know they were seen as basically just one step above pornography and in a lot of ways uh um they were semi-pornographic, you know. There was a lot of sex. You could see topless women and stuff like that. Uh, I forgot. There's like a close-up of Kevin Bacon's ass in this one or someone's ass. You know, like oh, whoa, uh, caught me off guard there. But um, so yeah, there was something uh, taboo and naughty about them, like especially being a younger kid who, you know, you feel like oh, I'm not supposed to be watching this. Um, and is this what it's like? Is this what it's like to be in high school or college? You know. Um, in some ways yes yes it is (laughs) but uh what would you we recently talked about um black christmas that was our christmas special and we had the discussion about the first slasher movie and uh so i wanted to uh get your thoughts on that what do you consider the first slasher movie
1: well i mean that that is kind of tough because there's you can kind of keep tracing it back right like a, yeah. a really really far and I think you can go you can go back to like um the old dark house kind of movies where there's somebody in the in the house somewhere and there's a mystery about what's what's happened here and then the guests that are all there for some reason in this isolated house on a stormy night are getting killed one by one you know um sometimes in unique ways sometimes not but that's not really exactly what we think of, right? When we think of a slasher movie, I think when we think about a slasher movie, I think probably Black Christmas is really the one that stands out as like it has the elements of the formula that we kind of expect at mm-hmm. this point. Um, I mean, I think you could say psycho is is a slasher in some ways, but it's also so much more of a mystery than than the the slashers that we know of, where the mystery is really, Kind of a side note um you know because like Black Christmas I mean you do wonder about the killer and that's very interesting but it's not like it almost does it doesn't kind of overwhelm the plot that much you know um it probably does more so than Halloween where the mystery there's no mystery at all we know it's Michael the whole time like maybe the character it's a mystery for the characters but not for us and then in Friday the 13th I mean there's a mystery but the thing about that mystery is like it's almost like uh, it it almost doesn't matter. I mean, they're they're going through these red herring's, and you're definitely wondering like who's the killer. But ultimately, it's somebody you never met <laughs> in the movie before. It's just somebody out of the blue, and it kind of goes with the stories and the hints that you've heard before. But you know, to me, they they keep pushing the mystery into the background. It becomes more and more about people getting killed one by one in scary and
0: unique ways you know. mm-hmm. now this one though so what did this add what did this add we had had we can argue all day about the first slasher movie in the history we kind of talked about that already in another episode so but what do you think friday the 13th brought um, new to the genre uh well definitely a focus on the creative deaths i think was
1: more there and um, this Halloween wasn't really about creative deaths, and I wouldn't think really Black Christmas was either. Although there were some interesting choices of weapons and stuff like that, I don't think that was kind of uh, the point. But I mean, bringing Tom Savini on and saying, "Hey, let's let's put a little bit more gore in here." I mean, he had just done Dawn of the Dead, which was rated eggs for all the gore. So um, they were definitely thinking, like, let's add some, some more sensationalism to it with Friday the 13th. Um, But I also think, um, gosh, I mean, that's a good question I wanted to add. I mean, hmm. so there's always something about how the evil starts, right? Like, what was the inciting incident? You know, um, so for Halloween, it was that the killing of the sister in, in the past. In this one, the inciting incident is not the thing that creates Jason. Or the or the thing that creates or you know that flashback scene that we see is not the thing that creates Mrs Voorhees, it is her responding to the death of Jason a year before, you know. So she's come back a year later. She's kept according to the novelization, she's kept working there. She begged to be able to stay on after Jason's death as the cook, Um, and uh, so it's kind of odd that that scene doesn't like every other slasher movie it seems like sets up the villain you know it's like some, the campers did something horrible to embarrass this poor kid and now he's going to kill them all 10 years later that's not really how it works in friday the 13th it's um but but it is similar to halloween and that these characters that are here really have nothing to do with anything that happened in the past they're just sort of randomly being almost random it's not completely random obviously they came onto the camp and they're trying to reopen the camp and that's the problem for mrs voorhees but um you know they didn't really have anything to do with it uh now you could say and i think the writer would say he added an idea of like sex equals death into this into friday the 13th which maybe wasn't in halloween or maybe wasn't people hadn't started to make that connection yet um of like sex equals death in these movies but i mean to me it's always been more like they want to have sex in the movies and they want to have death in the movies and the sex works out a lot better before the death (laughs) than after um so people just sort of came up with that after the fact that sex equals death in these movies Um, i don't think well john
0: carpenter talked about you know he gets so much of the credit for that because of halloween but he said, you know, that wasn't the idea. J- John Carpenter is a very kind of liberal-minded guy. Um, and to him, it was more like they're distracted, which makes sense. Also, it kind of increases the vulnerability of the, of the, the moment. You know, you're not exactly... Um, yeah. yeah, so that was part of it. But the one big thing that I think this movie brought was the summer camp setting. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was the burning, but the burning came out what a that's year after, later! Yeah, that was after. that's oh. was
1: also Tom Savini effects, but,
0: mm-hmm. but that was after he did that one.
1: instead of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and summer camps were kind of um, a little bit popular around that time. I mean, Meatballs was a recent hit, um, and there may have been some other stuff around the time that was kind of focused around like summer camps or rural settings. And I think that um, that kind of probably played into getting the money for it um, because like the i was just reading a book called blood money which is uh, by uh, uh, richard howell i think and it, it goes it talks about slasher movies and like the economics behind them at the start and it goes like really into depth and it was he was talking about how friday the 13th kind of was really one of the first ones to come out based on Halloween's success and that everyone else was really kind of scared to follow it up um, because they didn't know if they could you know, make that make money off of it. That formula, but they sort of mitigated the problem of going out going out on a limb with this formula by using popular elements that were popular in other movies at the time too, like hmm. like summer camp setting, like um, they say like kind of Animal House antics, which I don't see a lot of Animal House antics in Friday the Thirteenth, but I guess you could say that they are kind of like silly young people they're playing monopoly strip strip yeah monopoly (laughs) yeah so some of that kind of stuff you know so they you know he he made a good argument that there were a lot more cheap independent made formulas that they could have done instead of a slasher to make money and so people really really just weren't flocking to copy Halloween immediately it really took Friday the 13th success um, to start that trend so Friday the 13th in a sense, I guess, really kind of brought us the slasher wave, um, the slasher boom, more so than Halloween. But um,
0: it may have been that some other movie
1: would have done it. Who knows? Uh, but the and ones even that,
0: Halloween, yeah. even Halloween, didn't have that large of a body count. Uh, I'd have to think a moment to come up with it. But in this one, we have how many? Uh, six. Uh, there's there's ten deaths in this it's movie. Ten, yeah, it's wow. ten. It, it, and it's notable
1: because the trailer kind of indicates there's going to be 13 <laughs> you know it's like one two you know um and there wasn't thir- there's 10 in the first one there's 10 in the second one but there's 13 in the third one and 13 in the fourth one and then uh-huh. ever after that they sort of are ever increasing and you'll see like they'll kill like you know three people with one, one machete just to get that body count up yeah. they're like the highest body count of any Friday 13th movie well you you killed down like 20 people off screen. You said they're all dead. Like, you know. You that doesn't really, count. You really killed them. <laughs> in front of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but it was more the Halloween, which I think was like five or six. Like, it really wasn't a whole lot of people. Um, and some of these in Friday the 13th are off screen, to be fair. I mean, the really mm-hmm. gory deaths on screen, I guess, like, what Annie gets her throat cut, you know, and that's kind of yeah. gory. Um, you get... Uh, kevin bacon with the arrow through his throat that's kind of gory um and other than that you really see just like the aftermaths that's true um unless i'm forgetting some i mean steve well you do see marcy get the axe to the head but that's a little bit it wasn't like a you didn't see a hit into her you know you just see it in her head and she falls backwards you know Mm -hmm. um but there's not, you know, when people think about Friday the 13th being so gory, I mean, the gory moments are gory and they're amazing, but I don't feel like it's all that gory anymore. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like you could probably rate a PG-13 at this
2: point. But, um,
1: <laughs> Almost. maybe, Except there's boobs. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh. Um, the are. The interesting thing I think about the, the weapons and things like that, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about how every weapon that they use at Friday the 13th is established in reality first. And this is something that that Tom Savini does a lot and he'll, he'll talk about how like before you use the axe on somebody, show it hitting wood and like having a real effect and then you'll switch the fake axe but you've already sort of set it up in people's minds that that's a real axe and that that's, mm-hmm. that'll make that impact harder um, and I was thinking about how he did have like every single thing like the axe was used on the tree stump by Steve Christie earlier. The, um, the arrows were shot into the uh, archery thing in front of Brenda, you know, at that one point. The uh, the machete was used to kill the snake in the cabin, you know, so all of the weapons were shown to be effective actual
0: things before they were used on somebody later. So huh. I thought that was kind yeah. of interesting. Screenwriting 101, right? If, if somebody gets shot later on you have to show the gun early on so yeah that's I've never thought about that but you're right they do kind of set everything up um what about yeah you're I agree with you also that there's not too much um the gore is not really that excessive it's not quite what you think when you think Friday the 13th I think later on it gets amped up more and of course a lot of it was cut out but uh this one uh, what do you think I think the effects are it was Tom Savini, so it's no surprise, but the effects yeah. here, I think they hold up really well.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I, if there was more and more cartoony gore, like, it might not feel as real, and I know, like, it might sound silly to say that Friday 13th seems kind of realistic to me, but I do feel like it has a lot of realistic aspects, and, like, I just, I feel like it's one of the more realistic ones, um, at least in setting and, and a lot of, different things like that but you know you can add so much gore that you you turn a horror movie into a comedy and it stops being scary yeah. and that's what um,
0: happened to the slashers within just a few years right <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and i you know almost thankfully they were held back a little bit because Friday, you know friday the 13th was so popular and, and they were it was kind of criticized for being too gory so that in the mpaa was like came down hard on friday the 13th part two and a lot of the slashers that came out in like 81 that kind of wave right after friday the 13th part part one um so you know that kind of held it back but then they sort of I think they even pushed towards cartoony to get more gore in eventually you know because making the gore cartoony made it a little more palatable and, and more um enjoyable you know for people or they could just handle it better it's like turning the um the blood green, and, and some movies, and, and then all of a sudden it's okay that blood's flowing everywhere, <laughs> it's right it's right. You know, it doesn't feel as real anymore. You know, the impact so much. And oh, that 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 guy made the the point, and that Richard Howell guy in that book made the point that um, they were using uh, the deaths were made in such a way that they could hopefully get the R rating instead of the X. And the way they did that was by not showing the um, a lot of uh anticipation of the death in the in the victims by not making them suffer so much you know mm-hmm. like the death in this movie is basically immediate like they'll turn around and they'll get killed or they'll get killed barely even knowing it like you can imagine being kevin bacon's character and just sitting there you just had sex for the first time you know life is good you're great and then an arrow pops up through your neck you're like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know anything was going on he was just like having a good time at camp and then all of a sudden, <laughs> that's it. Poor Kevin Bacon. Um, but yeah, so they, they did things in such a way to kind of give the kills a little bit less impact. So I think in a way you can enjoy them more, you know? And I, I know we've talked before about how like you don't necessarily like seeing people suffer in these movies. You just want to see them die, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you don't want
0: to, you, you're not really into the pain so much, you want it to be well, fun and having them suffer is not fun. Well, on that topic, I think one of the criticisms of this genre is the sort of sadistic pleasure we take in the killings and the crazy killings. And to justify that, um, they often create like just terrible, unlikable characters, which also did kind of some harm to the genre. But um, what do you think about the characters in this movie? Are there any, I don't, except for maybe Ned? they're not like that unlikable i don't think yeah i even like ned because i kind of can understand Ned. he
1: <laughs> is that kind of you know like Shelley in part three where you're like yeah. he's just socially doesn't know what to do in this situation he's he's he really likes brenda obviously and he's trying to impress brenda in some way it's the completely wrong things to do to impress brenda so like nearly killing her yeah yeah or like <laughs> pretending that he's dying is really going to people. And, and like oh, yeah. tricking them into to, um, giving you mouth to mouth is not the best thing to do. Right,
0: right, right.
1: On the first day of knowing somebody that you like. Because um, all the this is all just one day that this movie has, which I think is another thing I like um, about it. But um, so, yeah, I think I like the characters actually. And someone, I had a student come in one time around the time the remake came out. And I guess they would just seen the remake. And they were telling me how they saw the first one and they, they thought um, that the characters were really lame and like uh, really cardboard cutout and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, you know, I, I didn't say what I really thought, you know, because I would have been like, get out. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I always thought that they, I attribute that to like, there's a lot of distance in time between like me watching it and this person watching it. And when they watch it, they don't pick up on, the clothing these people are wearing or a lot of the little things that you might notice you know that aren't just like up front and in your face that make these people seem real to you you know mm-hmm. and that would be like me kind of knowing people that seem like this when i was little you know and and seeing people wearing these clothes and seeing people acting this way but i also feel like um you know i've read the novelization and i've read like uh adrian king like put, put out her did a limited run of her script and I got a copy of her script and read that so I've I've read some of the stuff that gives a little more detail to the characters too like backstory and stuff like that um, which makes them a little more likable but I don't see anything to really hate about them Um, I think it's they're kind of made to be likable right Um, so that you'll care I don't think that at this point in time in the slasher movies that they were trying so hard to make characters that you wanted to see die Mm -hmm. you know which is fun to see like i you know part seven there's that one girl that everyone wants to die immediately and you're so happy when she dies i mean i get it like that put that in the movie because it's fun but uh yeah this one i don't think we really have that that character who really is kind of like a stock character it's kind of annoying when they pop up right like you you really want it to feel like real people and and these don't feel like they're those little roles that you, you mm-hmm. start to get in slasher movies where it's like okay you've got the joker for sure you've got the 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 slut you got the um the job you've got the you know there's a list sure you know um and we we hadn't quite got that yet this was just kind of like a random group of people and all of them seem to have kind of like youthful dreams and stuff like that and Personal problems. You know, there's fact they hit that backstory for all of them. Um, I feel like, but uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about the characters?
0: Well, probably the most unlikable character is that first cop who shows up. Oh, yeah. Like, we, we don't take kindly to weirdos yeah. around here, whatever he says while yeah. Ned is dancing around with a... Officer Dorf. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um and he just yeah. comes in and then disappears and never shows mm-hmm. back up again. Yeah.
1: Um. He was looking the other for cop, Crazy Ralph. Yeah, I sometimes forget like what is he doing there, but yeah, he's looking for Crazy Ralph and asking, "You seen Crazy Ralph?" That was one of the many red herrings. Is Crazy Ralph. You can.
0: Yeah, and he's a great a character, Crazy Ralph. Well, I, oh, yeah. I don't know if I'd say he's a great character. He's great in that he's fun. He's a fan favorite, yeah. I think. He yeah. sticks around for what? it the second or third movie. A second one he
1: dies in the second one and then they replace him with a guy named abel in the third one and then i oh, think with they the rabbit sort of eyeball yeah yeah the eyeball yeah um they kind of abandoned that after that you know they definitely shouldn't have killed him in part two they should have just kept him around because that that actor lived i don't know he was alive in the 2000s so um they could have brought it back you know, even though he looked like 90, 98 or something
0: in that movie. Well, Uh, he plays one of my favorite roles in horror movies, which is the crazy person who actually knows the truth, right? right. Uh, I always go back to the scene of the birds in the diner where you have the drunk guy. Uh, It's the end of the world, all right. Um, That character is always fun. And you always have the character who um, warns you, tells you, don't go to the evil death place. You're going to die, and of right. course you can't listen, right? Um, yeah. But I think this movie starts off with a pretty good tone because um, the guy who gives her a lift at the beginning of the movie, he's fairly believable, you know, kind of yeah. middle aged country kind of guy who's trying to meet, be nice, but at the same time is like you dumb kids, you know, going up there. Um, it's yeah. such a classic scene. I think it goes all the way back to to dracula dracula you know oh i'm going up to dracula's castle and everybody stops It's like oh, yeah. don't go there um <laughs> so i like my characters yeah. uh yeah. i do like them for the most part now what about um would you say one criticism of this movie is that it's slow would you say the movie is slow or
1: I I don't think it's well I mean I guess I feel like I like the slow parts because I feel like that just because they kind of feel like they're just kind of lulling you into this movie and you're kind of getting a slice of like life at camp and but you know that it starts off with a kill there's a kill not too long after that and he gets killed and then there's maybe like 25 minutes where someone doesn't die I mean it's 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 really not that long that there's even daylight in the movie maybe half an hour um maybe a little bit more than that but I don't know maybe just some of the scenes are slow but once it gets going which is like you know it's nighttime and they're getting stalked and killed by like 45 minutes in like halfway in they're for sure getting killed so I never thought it was slow but you know attention spans vary so I i can get that it's slow with some people
0: don't. well there's the one sign uh the one scene where alice makes coffee and they like show the whole process of making coffee in real time like she heats up the water then yeah. she goes and gets the coffee then she gets some sugar and there's yeah. no cuts yeah um i feel like that kind of adds to just the
1: like i was saying just kind of the realistic almost like just kind of getting you off guard a little bit you're sitting there you're thinking like when the hell is anything gonna pop out at us and then you know I really, honestly, people complain about jump scares, but I feel like jump scares are actually really hard to pull off. And if people are able to pull it off, I love jump scares in movies, like as long as they work. You know, what we should not like is bad jump scares. Right. (laughs) Good jump scares that work yes like let's put more of those in movies, like i want to be scared that's why i'm here like i don't want a, an ominous sense of fear you know like i don't want some deep you know existential dread when i leave the theater i want to be scared of what's around me you know like i want to be afraid to go to bed um, which yeah i don't know i i'm all for jump scares and i feel like it's 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 a dance to like figure out how to misdirect people because once people see it coming once they learn it from one movie it's like you, you can't use it again and the next one doesn't work so I feel like they just have to keep doing it in, in original ways to make it uh, actually effective and that's the hard part um, I think it was easy it, it, they would be in all the movies we all love them
0: because <laughs> mm-hmm. they would be
1: fun like that we love Halloween we love you know movies with jump scares Halloween's full of jump scares there's uh,
0: this one which once you find out who the killer is you kind of wonder wait a second how did she do that but we're corpse just comes right. flying through the window yes yes i'm gonna um, say
1: that i think that she had it tied to maybe the front of her jeep or something and she ran it up and she stopped her jeep really
0: fast that flew it into the window you yeah. know
1: like you could, you could find some way
0: right i don't know um yeah, I mean, we both love these movies, but just for the sake of trying to yeah. pick at them. Uh, I, I feel see- like she was running around a lot. Like, how does she, she
1: was in this cabin that she runs over here. Like, she's really busy. And, like, she somehow she knows where everyone's going to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's probably the biggest flaw that I would see with the movie, is that somehow she's able to to stay hidden and follow these people. And then, you know, pop up and kill them. I don't know. It just seems... Obviously, we're not supposed to think about that too much, you know. We're just right. supposed to Watch the movie and enjoy it.
0: But. Well, some of it you can explain, right? Like she cuts the generator, so she knows they'll right. go to the generator. She turns on the lights near oh. the archery, so she knows they'll probably go That's investigate true. that. So there's yeah. some of it. Um, yeah. I guess the only other thing is maybe it's just because I've seen these movies so many times, but watching the fight between um, Pamela <clears throat> at the end. It's it feels a little slapsticky now, you know, (laughs) like slapping each other and hitting each other with hands. Yeah, I wonder
1: though. I don't know. I mean, I feel like yeah, when they start slapping each other, pulling hair, almost feel like that's like that's kind of where it got realistic. (laughs) You know, like that's where we got a real vibe two people is when they're like pulling hair and, and slapping each other but some of the other bits where these, these really wide you know they're pulling back and like, <laughs> coming in for this slap. like i don't know if that would be happening so much and definitely with the uh for a long time i thought it was an oar that she was using at the end that cut off um uh, mrs Forty's head but it's a it's the machete obviously mm-hmm. but even a machete. Like, are you really going to get through somebody's head <laughs> in one swing? You know, I would yeah. think you would probably stop about halfway into the head <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you'd have to keep hacking away. But I'm sure that was one of the things that they were like, we
0: can't have that. <laughs> like that's gonna be so You can't ex. have multiple <laughs> swings at the yeah. slowly decapitating head. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe with the adrenaline, you know, with all the adrenaline she had, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's we also should... kind of funny because knowing what's coming, I'm watching the scene. And you can see Betsy Palmer doesn't have much of a neck. Then when right. she gets her head chopped off, there's a big long stump there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um what what else? Um, but good good creepy stuff about it. Uh I just like the setting, you know. You and I are the same way, where we both like kind of nature horror movies. And even if there's not too much going on, it's like, oh, this is pretty. You know, yes. modern films are very fast, and this kind of movie with a slower pace, you can sit down and you can see, oh, look at the lake and the trees are nice. And uh, I just think it's fun to look at. And of course, being out in the woods is uh, automatically builds the 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 atmosphere a little bit. Uh, I like obviously the um when she's doing the voice that's creepy there's a scene where she's like throwing her voice to make it sound like there's a child calling for help yeah that's
1: creepy Mm -hmm. Mm. there's more of that in the um in the script i think where you, you hear the voice kind of in the distance a little bit like underneath like loon song or something like that you know you might hear a loon cry but supposedly there was supposed to be like help me mommy or something in the cry you know i'm sure they were like how we you know fuck that we're not doing all that but um yeah that in 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 that pamela's tale comic book um they did a two issue pamela's tale comic book in late 2005 or something they sort of indicated that inside when pamela was pregnant with jason that she heard jason the fetus talking to her and telling her to kill elias for he's the father who was being who was abusing Pamela in the story. Um, so that was kind of a neat touch that Pamela that that since his birth, Jason has been kind of suggesting to Pamela that maybe she should kill some people. Um, anyway. Although yeah. obviously it's just in Pamela, right? Like Pamela's the crazy person.
0: Yeah. And what exactly is going on? <sighs> going on with her because for one the ending one thing i always think about is okay she has been like rambo throughout most of this movie and then here at the end she kind of it seems like this is the first time where um she just comes up to a character and for a minute she's natural so i don't know i guess if you with severe mental illness sometimes it's there sometimes it's not yeah Um, it was weird yeah i mean i kind of attribute that to that just she's
1: being weird and confused at that moment maybe because she's down to one person maybe something's going on maybe she's getting tired I don't know but um I know at one point you know she was part of her ruse was to come up in that jeep so that Alice would come out of the the cabin that she barricaded herself in so once that happened I mean she could have killed her by surprise just like she killed Steve Christie right she didn't have to be like you know, it's just me, but maybe because a, well, you know, probably because Alice didn't know her. Maybe she was thinking, I'm not going to be able to get close enough to her to kill her. Like she's going to, she's going to keep her distance from me mm-hmm. because of all this stuff that's happened and she's going to be suspicious. So unless I try to put on this act, I'm not going to be able to maybe maneuver her into a close quarters so I can get her. Because, you know, obviously the element of surprise was big. And all the other killings you know like that she didn't have to fight anybody and you know, those or trick them to come out of a place but when she lost the element of surprise maybe that's when she started to take this different tactic of like i'll pretend for a half minute that i know the christies until i get you like in the cabin again and i'm gonna tell you that
0: jason's my kid and all that kind of stuff
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah that makes sense uh, well have you heard any stories uh because even seeing this movie for the first time, I already knew the big plot twist. Uh, I knew Jason wasn't in it and all that. Like everybody, this, it's kind of like Luke, uh, Vader is Luke's father. You know, everybody knows um, in this movie that uh, Jason wasn't the killer. And if you didn't know, after screen, everybody knew, right? Yes. <laughs> but uh, but uh, have you heard any stories about how people reacted to the mystery and the twist when this film first came out? Yeah, well, I think um, you know, mostly what I think
1: would happen was that people would actually start getting up and leaving at the at the ending because the music comes on, you really do think, okay, it's the end. I think, you know, we weren't so conditioned back then to like wait till the end of the credits for like the teaser for the next movie or whatever. Like we were just like, we got to beat traffic, you know. So a lot of people were like, well, I don't need to see whatever. So a few people would get up, right? And then. They, something would happen and they'd all like, everyone would stop and scream and all this kind of stuff. People would sort of sit and wait and stand and watch the rest of it, you know, as, cause right after that, you know, is the, uh, the little hospital scene that's really quick um, that sets up the sequel. And I'm sure that that brought, even then it probably brought some drones of like, oh, <laughs> you know, cause the way she set the camera, like, he's still out there waiting, you know, yeah. okay. Part two coming soon. They could have just put it on the screen. Part two (laughs) next year. Um, Yeah. But I think, you know, people often complain about how is Jason young in this one? And then, and then what story time is five years later in part two, how is he a fully grown adult male? But in my mind, Jason is not really in part one at all. He is just, there's a dream that she has about Jason. in the script that i got from adrian king it was it says at the end like she's sort of looking in the water and then she sees like jason coming up from the water like grab her hand from the water and like go like mommy <laughs> and that's the end there's no more scene there's no more um hospital scene or whatever so that was definitely added on at some point to um the hospital bit. uh and i know that uh yeah, generally it wasn't effective scare. I mean, it was kind of like Carrie, right? Like at the end of Carrie. That's really what they were going for. was something like the end of Carrie, where there's this really kind of you think everything's fine, and she's there's this sweet music, and she's reaching towards the grave, and a hand comes out and gets her. You know, it's the same exact kind of thing, and that was. And I
0: think the- after. It seems like after this movie, Carrie was the first that I can think of. Maybe you can think of some more where that happens. where Everything's fine. We've reached the end, but no, last things are terrible here at the end. Um, you think this was the movie that really kicked off that trend?
1: Because well, it seems I think, like
0: for a long time after yeah. that, every movie has to have that. I feel like Carrie was, was really inspired. A lot of people to do it. I think it was, that was kind of a big
1: thing. I think Carrie may have been the first. It's really hard to know. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything. I'm sure there were some twist ends, you know, Mm -hmm. where like things aren't as great as they were, you know, or like you, but nothing that's like a jump scare like we're thinking Mm of. Um, I think I may have started with Carrie. I think Carrie may have been more of an inspiration than Friday the 13th, but maybe once Friday the 13th also did it and was successful, you know, they they sort of start to build on each other and people are like, oh, well, that's
0: just the thing now. I'm just going to do it. I'm kind of tired of it, honestly, at this point, like, why, why can't <laughs> yeah. we just have, it's refreshing when you watch movies from the seventies and there's a resolution and the movie ends, you know, right. you know, now it's like, oh, there's a resolution, but the killer has got to jump back out and get him, even though he's obviously dead or something, you know, right. it's yeah. just been done to death. But, yeah. um, so going back to, so th- that's something I wanted to ask you that you already touched on was. People always say, oh, how was Jason still a kid or whatever? So I've always agreed with you that uh, it was a hallucination. I mean, she's been through a lot of trauma, and she just learned the background behind this whole thing. So it makes sense right. that she would just kind of freak out and have a nightmare. And the whole thing yeah. with um, – there's an the earlier monologue where she talks about having nightmares. Um, so that's how I've seen it. Well, Plus that was Jason- – um,
1: sorry, that was Marcy that was talking about her her dreams of – blood rain or whatever that was that's kind of one of the neat um that's right when it's turning from day to the storm is coming in like that's right when it's getting from day to night because there's a few scenes where it's kind of dusky and i love those scenes where it's it's uh it's kind of evening dusk it's not quite night yet but the storm's coming in and you can they're showing like the waves on the lake and everything it's right before ned dies it's basically when ned goes into that cabin which that may be kind of weird that he's like, What's that in there? I'll go investigate. Yeah, yeah. I would have yeah. gone and got everybody else that there's something going on in this cabin. <laughs> and I'm not going in alone, y'all. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was Marcy. That is kind of a weird dream because there's nothing else in this movie that's remotely supernatural. But in, in that kind
0: of a, a premonition dream like that is maybe the only thing like that. Yeah, I think it's like one that. of those just little little touches, little moments that has always stuck with me her just we just take a moment to listen to her scary story and not too much comes of it but it it hints at something you know yeah um if i was kevin bacon i would have been like that's nice i'm leaving (laughs) i'll go somewhere else (laughs) Uh,
1: blood dreams i'm not going to be your your partner anymore i'll be
0: uh, (laughs) well
1: he had good reason to stick around (laughs) yeah yeah you got you got like
0: in the book and the
1: novelization they have a little more about how like um this wasn't marcy's first time having sex but was jack's first time having sex and but he didn't know that she was not a virgin and she kind of wondered if he knew and and he she wondered if he knew that she was on birth control and afterwards he wondered if she was on birth control and all this kind of stuff um but yeah there's some interesting stuff in the conversation
0: yeah get a chance definitely now just speaking about that couple to go way back to the beginning of the movie when we first see all of them come riding up in their vehicle there's like a weird cut something's going on there what is going on there we're like they're moaning and then it cuts to him do you know what i'm talking about when they're they're just riding up to camp uh they're moaning i'm not sure yeah talking. it like cuts away and you hear like moaning coming from the vehicle and then we cut back to the vehicle and nothing's going on i would always assumed it was supposed to be um just them being silly yeah maybe them just being
1: silly um yeah yeah i'm trying to think uh i mean it's weird because there's so much there's that obnoxious fake bluegrass music that's going on that's (laughs) one of the worst parts of the the soundtrack i like the soundtrack otherwise even though it's kind of brash you know um but that bluegrass music when they're driving up, I'm like, hey, I don't see these kids listening to bluegrass music. But yeah. If the bluegrass music is to indicate that they're in a rural area, like you know, it doesn't read summer camp to me either. So I don't know what the bluegrass is for. I guess that's to make you think of deliverance or something. I don't really know. Um, I don't that's know what's going on terrible there. music. Yeah, there I know in the script it said they, they drive up in a camper van, but I think they're just you know being stupid kids. Being what, silly, whatever yeah. they said, it was just. Yeah, maybe ned being dumb yeah in the script it was also like ned is kind of like really built on it in his upper body but then they say when he gets out of the um the camper van like he they realize he has like slightly deformed legs from polio and stuff like this like really weird character trait that doesn't obviously didn't happen because the ned looks not really that built he looks he's nice and fit and I don't know. I might like the Friday the 13th movies because they have more shirtless guys than the first one. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. They do. <laughs> I mean, it's just a fact. More Speedo Boys than any other <laughs> Friday the 13th that I could think of. Oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'll have to watch again
1: and see if I can hear that, that moaning that you're talking
0: about. I thought there was, it feels like it's kind of some awkward editing. I thought there was like a, a scene they cut out because when they cut back, if you look at Kevin Bacon, He looks like he just had a great experience. I didn't know if there was like some (laughs) kind of, you know, scene cut out. Anyways, (laughs) watch that scene again. Tell me if you pick up Yeah, I will.
2: But uh,
0: so going back to the ending again, um, do you think uh, I was watching Cinemassacre's old review of this movie and he says he thinks um, they they shouldn't have added in that part where she wakes up in the hospital that when he jumps out of the water and gets she gets pulled under, that's the perfect time to end it. Do you uh, agree or do you think the hospital scene should be there? Well, I mean, I that I could see it being good
1: either way, to be honest. I don't know if it's really like it has to be one way or the other to be good. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, I like the way it is to a degree. I don't like the fact that it's like, Obviously, a sequel. You know, like we're gonna see Jason next. Uh, although maybe they kind of needed that to get people excited about the sequel to know what the sequel is gonna be about. Maybe they'd be confused about being a part two, you now understanding that it would be Jason. Um, but you know, the uh, to to end it without that, we wouldn't know if Adrian if Alice was still alive or not. You know, we would just think, well, maybe she's dead. So that would change the character of part two um because we would they have brought her back to get killed they probably would have just said well you must just assume that adrian king's gotten killed at this and so no one survived Mm -hmm. um this because then it wouldn't make it a dream either and you'd be sitting there going like why was jason a little kid like is it now supernatural like is he coming back as a supernatural being and killing this girl so i don't know i guess i do prefer the doctor that it being a dream (laughs) is is the way I like it. But but a dream that was informed by her reality. Like that probably she did wake up and see the cops and then fell back asleep again. And then she's made this in her mind while she's sleeping in the hospital. Probably oh, yeah. under under some kind of medication, you know. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, well, they give her what what is it like? Seven grams of uh what did they <laughs> give her? They give her something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so going a little bit, jumping a little bit ahead here, but so what is your interpretation of Jason's story? Did he really drown in the, your first movie and then he comes back? Did he not drown? And he just kind of, what do you think happened with Jason? How do you kind of put it all together in your head? Gosh, yeah, that's hard to say. Cause I mean, I guess I kind of
1: have always thought of him as being a real person who managed to live in the woods (laughs) all this time and in in friday 13th part two he just finally comes out of the woods and decides he's gonna now start killing people i don't know because i guess the last in the last five years his mom's head got cut off you know and so now he's taken over but either he was sort of escaped into the woods and and didn't want to tell his mom that he was still alive or like he was just like fuck people they're letting me drown like I'm just Mm -hmm. gonna live in the woods on my own um although it certainly would be hard to live in the woods on your own as like what is apparently a, a child that needed special attention you know like could he have really done that um probably not but I guess I prefer that to him being in some way supernatural during those years I prefer him to be like a real person from part one through four and then part five obviously not Jason and then part six is where the supernatural enters and he becomes zombie Jason Um, that's how I like it in my mind Um, but I mean you know is it as realistic I don't know What's more realistic than a a zombie child or a ghost child or whatever he's supposed to be? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, There's really no clear answer. Fans are going to be debating that forever. The way I always kind of say it in my head is he somehow survived drowning at the beginning of the movie, went off into the woods, and then when he sees his mom get killed, um, that's when he kind of becomes a murderer. Um, You could also say, I think the truth is in the first movie, he's just dead um right. and then the second movie they're like oh shit we kind of killed off the killer right. so yeah. Uh, we'll just bring yeah back. definitely
1: definitely they did not have the plan i don't think in yeah. place maybe after they done the script maybe they added on that scene at the end to say like well we can get a sequel out of this but it certainly wasn't planned <laughs> i don't
0: think yeah that. so i agree with you to me the first four movies have always been jason is just a a regular if very tough kind of mountain crazy man and then he becomes a, a killer uh yeah. supernatural in the six or you could go with the supernat there's just un- undescribed evil and that's kind of what michael myers was like you know in the first one um yeah. he seems to be normal but then at the end of the movie you're like wait there's something more going on here <laughs> you know right Oh,
1: um. Yeah, I mean, he really does get wounded a lot. Like in part three, did he? I mean, it's gonna be hard to survive the accident wound to your head, you know. But I, I could just, you know, believe that he could still get around <laughs> and kill a lot of people and everything would mm-hmm. be fine. You know, the next day he didn't need a hospital stay or anything. <laughs> he was just got kind out of the hospital. He's good. Um, so I mean, I think there ultimately you probably you need to go back to some kind of evil force that's either possessing Pamela or possessing Jason or possessing, um, you know, and Jason goes to hell obviously possessing lots of different people. Um, but I prefer to sort of not really <laughs> focus on that too much, I guess, because <laughs> it does, I, I just like, J- I, although Jason is more than human and he is supernatural at this point, Like I just prefer to think of him as being much more, the person that mm-hmm. could just kill you. Um and you don't have much hope against, but I don't know. At this point, I guess the fact that Jason can't die and the fact that he can somehow get to you, whether or not he's running or you're walking, you know, like what's going on, those are just sort of tropes that are accepted and that's part of Jason. And it'd be really hard to take those out without um upsetting a whole nother group of uh, yeah. fans, right? so i don't
0: know well we've talked about uh, some notes you left for me we, we've pretty much talked about the yeah. the novels uh is there anything else about the novel you'd want to say that was different or uh, did we well, get to most of it
1: yeah well i mean they they gave last names to a bunch of the people i think ned would like oh. ned rubenstein and jack kendall or something you know just different names for people it's kind of interesting everyone had got kind of a backstory but they would put the backstory in, like, right before they died. <laughs> so, oh, like man. You know, Marcy was taking about to take a shower, and she starts thinking about, you know, whatever she was thinking about. I don't remember, like, if she wants to be an actress or something. I don't know. But uh, I forgot what she wanted. Um, but then right after, they, we learned a lot about her. Oh, she's dead. <laughs> so that was kind yeah. of the novelizations. uh way of approaching things. And I know Steve Christie and uh, and Alice, like they were having a conflict in the relationship, obviously, you know, from the movie, but they sort of pointed out that Steve Christie wanted to, was really obsessed with, uh, you know, opening the camp was really just sort of always thinking about the future and always caught up in future problems. And Alice didn't like that. She wanted to be more in the moment. She wanted to live more in the moment. And they both didn't like these kind of other attitudes in each other. Like she didn't like that he always thought ahead, and she, she didn't like this other thing about her. So he kind of went more into that. Uh, I thought it was pretty pretty well done novelization. I mean, they did it six years after the movie actually came out because they just went, they went and did novelizations for one, two, and three when they did novelization for part six even though they'd already done one for part three but (laughs) you know that's just one of the fun things about friday 13th there's two part three novelizations
0: yeah Um, this franchise man it's like star wars there's so much out there there's uh there's books there's a ton of comics there's video games uh did you ever play the nes game as a kid which that's not really about this movie that's more later but Oh, God, I tried, right?
1: Like, I was so <laughs> excited about it, but it was so terrible. I mean, it's notorious. It's just being, like, one of the worst, hardest to figure out games. I don't think it even came with instructions on what to do. And, like, I've seen in the instructions now of what to do, and I was like, there's no possible way. I don't even see how they figured out how to do it. Like, right. it's like you have to walk down these this way three steps, and this way nine steps, and this way one step. There's no <laughs> way to know that you should do this, but that's what you should do. So, I don't know. That was I hated that game, but I do like the little figures that, that show the little blue and purple Jason, you know. Oh yeah. Like that's kind of fun to see. But now the game they did more recently was was way more faithful and way more fun and interesting to play. Um, although I haven't mastered it or anything like that, but I'd love walking around in that game because they really paid close attention to the settings for all the different movies. You know, they put them mm-hmm. all in Crystal Lake, but just different parts of Crystal Lake and it's Really fun to, I don't know, go, go around and get stopped by Jason or stop, yeah, whichever one you wanted. To.
0: He was also in Mortal Kombat 10, I think that was fun. Yeah. Uh, always fun playing as Jason. Uh, what else? Oh, so what was this you wanted is something about the Friday 13th uh, FAQ. What was that about? Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> This is something I did in like 1995 or something.
1: I was like in college, you know, and uh, the internet was fairly new. I mean, I guess it's been around, right? But we didn't know much about it back then. We were using like Gopher and all these kind of things. And, and email was pretty new. It was all text screens that I was encountering. But um, I noticed they had FAQs for a lot of different things, you know, um, especially pop culture things, but I'd never seen one for Friday the 13th, so. I decided I was gonna be the person that put together the Friday 13th FAQ. So many skipped classes and visits to the library and watching the movies super closely later, um, I had done like a FAQ for, I guess, like the first nine movies at that point, right? Um, And most of the information came from like Jason Goes to Hell Magazine, like that. there was interviews from people from all the different movies in it and just other things that I had happened to have, right? um but I was kind of proud of it you know and I put it on a website uh, you know and uh some other website wanted to host it which was cool that they did that for a little while um and then one day I was looking through uh Video Hound's Guide to Horror Movies like a book came out in the 90s or something about uh just like their top thousand horror movies or something um and they had a whole section in the back that was like links that you can do this is when they would put second like a list of links like they would do that now like just google we're not gonna give you a list um <laughs> but i was going down the list and looking at all the different sites and i came to like you know my name friday the 13th and stuff and i was like oh my god Like <laughs> i'm in this book <laughs> it was very surprising but <laughs> happy moment even though it's so stupid because wow names in a book but um Back in 95,
0: it was amazing to me. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. I fine. used to use, did you ever use um, FridayThe13thFilms.com? Did oh, you ever yeah. go there?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Definitely. that was one I went to back when I was just getting into the films. I yeah. I just looked it up real quick while we were talking, and it's still there. It's archived. but It says okay. apparently 2000, 2007. But, yeah, that's what I would do. Go on that site and, and read. For a second there, I was thinking you were going to tell me that you were involved with that website. No, no.
1: <laughs> oh. I, but I always thought, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on this first. I'm going to be like, you know, they're going to go, oh, that guy's the Friday the 13th guy. But, you know, what would have been way better is if I had what, had interviewed, like, cast members or crew members or, like, done anything beyond, like, going to the library or, or anything beyond, like, just putting it on a website and saying, like, hopefully people will see it one day. You know, it's just not the way to go about it. They did. You know way better job with crystal like memories when that book came out that was like 2005 or something that was totally the way to do it That gave like so much more information and was really awesome but i i did do something i do have my little moments in friday the 13th history for the, probably the five people that ever saw Thank right. well is it still up anywhere uh no but i did find an archived version one time so i have
0: it i have the files somewhere but uh, i have to take up. Well, maybe we can yeah. put it on our facebook page one day okay yeah let we'll somebody read it still you know
1: <laughs> probably i probably put in some weird theories in there and some weird things but
0: you know it was a long time ago uh, it's not a <laughs> about weird theories so uh, yeah uh what else we've been going on for a while here are there any other scenes we kind of jumped straight to the ending and talked about that because i think that's the more interesting part are there any other little moments we haven't gotten to that uh of the film that need more discussing um mm-hmm. They really sure. kill a snake. That's that's a real killing. It's been yeah. kind of become controversial in yeah. later later years. Um,
1: Interestingly, though, like people have less problem with it than like Cannibal Holocaust, where it seems like if you have a problem with Cannibal Holocaust, you should have a problem with Friday the Thirteenth.
0: Yeah, I think it just gets overshadowed. Like Cannibal Holocaust, that's kind of the first thing you yeah. think about when you think about that movie. Right. Friday the Thirteenth, for some reason, everybody just—I don't yeah. know—with all the other stuff going on there, um, people just kind of forget. They just, and didn't they just find that snake and decide, hey, there's a snake, let's. It's definitely a real it. snake getting killed. Yeah, I don't know if it was,
1: I, I think it was old. <laughs> I'm just i You think it was it old? It was on its It was like probably out to
0: die anyway. It was on life I, support, so that. I think that documentary, that's like 10 hours long. Is that,
1: mm-hmm. Is
0: that Crystal, Crystal Lake, Lake Memories? Memories? Yeah. Yeah, I think I and saw it in an interview. There's another one. His name
1: was Jason. That was before mm-hmm.
0: that can't remember which one but i think they said they just Now this could be wrong everybody um but i think they just found it they're like hey there's a snake let's use it um but yeah watching it watching it now it's like oh yeah they're definitely just chopping that snake up goodness um uh, what else any other scenes that we should discuss i, I really <laughs>
1: like the that kind of scene with uh steve christie and the, the waitress in the diner <laughs> yeah. it's just a cute little scene and One thing I love about Friday the 13th, and so many horror movies don't do this, and I guess I could see why. It's probably way more expensive, and nobody likes to be wet, but just having a lot of rain, like a rainstorm, Mm -hmm. having a storm in your horror movie. Like, I know it's cliche to have a dark and stormy night, I I get it, but it works. (laughs) Like, it's scary, especially at a summer camp. Like, you've got to have a rainstorm because everyone knows when you go to camp, like, that's a big part of. When you're outside, anyway, it's just <laughs> when it starts raining, you want to get inside. It's not outside becomes some, something with a different place, a lot more threatening. Um, you get trapped into these little cabins and stuff like that. It just makes it a lot more fun and scary, uh, but they rarely do that. Anymore. But, you know,
0: that rainstorm's a big part of this
1: movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of other tensions going on here besides just the killer. There's a big storm that comes. We're losing power. Of course, like any movie prior to, uh, I don't know, a certain year, uh, they have a phone, but of course the phone line gets cut. Yeah. So yeah, it really adds something that this takes place out in nature and that adds to the tension. Yeah. Um, plus you go out in nature, you don't know who's out there, you know? No. Nature's um, scary anyway. I mean, it's not always scary, but I mean, there's, there's always a threat
1: in nature, right? Like you always need to be aware. In the woods, mm-hmm. right? Like there could be a snake anywhere. Like that's like you you know there could be anything <laughs> waiting. Usually not, you know, deadly things all around every tree. But um, you know you've got to be aware, and you know it could be hunters out there shooting. You know you know you don't know what's going on in, in every spot, so you've just got to be. Um, it always should, I think, add a little layer of anxiety when people are out in the woods, and then at rain at nighttime had no phone and weird things happening, you know, definitely it's just it's ramping it up all 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 through the movie. Everything's getting ramped up to being more and more dangerous. But that isolation is so important because that's what makes it like that old dark house movie is the old dark house is just the camp, you know, it's the whole camp. But they can't get out of the camp. <laughs> you know, they're trapped in the camp. The cabins become the rooms of the of the house, you know, but mm-hmm. it's still the same old dark house with a rainstorm you know like from the 30s i don't
0: know yeah boris Karloff was in that movie yeah. Younger yeah. boris Karloff. that's a good film um yeah. another i just want to throw this out there kind of random as we're talking about nature horror movies one you recommended to me uh lost weekend oh yeah yeah no
1: wait long weekend
0: long no. weekend thank long you weekend. long weekend
1: because mm-hmm. there is a uh, lost weekend
0: but that's like alcoholism i think yeah, you're right. It is I'm Long Weekend. Then. I just said it wrong, yeah. but uh, okay. that's a good one. I think it was a Canadian film uh, with a couple. They go out into the woods. And it's Australian, major... I think. I think I don't know. Australian. Let
1: me. I'm not sure if I'm right now, and
0: I don't want to correct you.
1: We're going to. <laughs> <That>
0: sounds <bad. laughs> nope, probably not, not Long that...
1: Weekend. Nope, not Australia. <laughs> nope.
0: That's that's why you're here. Um, yeah, it was probably Long Weekend. Seventy-eight. Was seventy-eight? Uh... It was 78? Yeah, that's an old one wow um,
1: colin eggleston is the director and uh
0: not seeing the country right off the bat but i think australia i think now that you say it uh australia sounds right uh yeah. kind of remembering their accents but that's a good movie everybody if you like the kind of nature horror stuff i have never really hear it talked about i never heard it about it until you recommended it that's a good dark movie
1: <laughs> yeah um i love nature
0: horror um And I
1: have, as you know, I have uh, favorites in that area. Any kind of summer camp slasher or outdoors camping slasher. Usually they'll do either the summer camp, right? Or they'll just do camping in tents, you know? Mm -hmm. So like my, probably my favorite camping in tents slasher would be Just Before Dawn. Um, Have you seen that one? I have not. Put it on
0: the list now.
1: Yeah, it's by Jeff Lieberman who did... um, blue sunshine which is also good and uh squirm which is the uh the movie about killer worms yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but this one blue sunshine and and this that one i just mentioned really good um but i also love you know like kingdom of the spiders you know william shatner all those kinds of movies those were the movies that were just that were popular right before friday the 13th i mean that was part of that wave um you know but there were a ton of Teen movies that were popular around Friday the 13th, too. That, that book I was talking about was talking about how, like, roller disco movies were big. Movies about gangs were big, like The Warriors, and uh, even that he would even said Saturday Night Fever is kind of being a gang movie. Out um, and then, like, Animal House and, like, frat movies like that, like, kids behaving badly movies. Um, and he was like, he felt like Friday the 13th took elements of all these different things um, to sort of stay marketable for young people well it
0: worked for them um the budget was a little over five hundred thousand, a little over half a million yep um the movie was very successful off the top of my head i should pull that number up i don't know how much it made but uh ah, here we are just under 60 million box office so yeah and that explains why there was almost one a year for a decade Mm
1: -hmm. yeah (laughs) and paramount uh, bought it for like one and a half
0: million i think
1: and to release to distribute and then they spent Like four and a half million to advertise and stuff like that and apparently they really heavily advertised so they they did a real big push um but it's very successful you know i think people were probably waiting for a movie like halloween i think that's something that people forget about slashers and horror movies in general like what we really want as an audience is a scary roller coaster ride movie like we want to go and have fun watching a horror movie with our (laughs) friends you know and and so often it gets to be like we have these super serious <laughs> movies that I still like them for what they are, but I, I just feel like people forget that ultimately they or I guess I always feel like people are surprised when Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth are big hits and it's, and then they're trying to replicate. The success by like copying the formula or copying the cast or copying the killer or copying the music or whatever. What they really need to do is copy making it scary, <laughs> like mm-hmm. so and make it fun. Like I know all these details go into it, but um, you know, all a lot of the time you think, well, you're just copying the wrong thing. why are you copying, you know, the fact Jaws wasn't a big movie because it had a shark in it. It's like don't just make shark movies now and think that they're gonna do as well as Jaws. Like. Jaws was good because it was scary and all of these different things that made it scary. Good um, characters, <laughs> right? Yeah, and just good directing, editing, yeah, all all the good things, not just the shark or whatever. Yeah. When you see people jump on these trends, you know you're like, well, jump on the trend of making a good movie <laughs> like that. That's what people. That's what made that movie successful. Not that it was at a summer camp or whatever it was. You know, they just always seem to pick random things to copy
0: <laughs> well we've been going on for a long time here one last thing though i want to <laughs> talk about though as you bring it up what are some of your favorite or least favorite friday the 13th ripoff films uh for me i think the burning um i wouldn't really call it it's another summer camp kind of movie it's really good sleepaway camp i really like do you have any others Yeah, gosh, I mean, so
1: many. (laughs) They need to be summer camp ones, or just any slasher movies. Um, I guess, I mean, the ones you mentioned for sure. Just before dawn, I think, would be really high up there for me. Um, I really like uh, Sleepaway Camp, although it's a little bit silly. I like Sleepaway Camp too, (laughs) because it's funny and it's kind of makes fun of these movies.
0: And I like a lot of the
1: pretty silly. Yeah, I like a lot of the later slashers. Um, oh, My Bloody Valentine is a great slasher. Um, what else? Gosh, um, I wish I'd anticipated
2: um, this
1: question. <laughs> uh, any of the Halloweens, I mean, the, the initiation is good if we're getting away from summer camps. Um, the burning is good. Oh, Final Terror. The Final, Final Terrors terror. are good where they're going camping in tents. And uh, they, um, there's a lot of good scenes. It's not 100% a slasher. It's a little bit more of a survival kind of movie, but it does have a lot of slasher elements. So I would would throw it in there. Um, Another underrated slasher is um, Stage Fright, 1987. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's a really good one. Um, Yeah, I don't know, like... I love slashers and I wish I could have a list off the top of my head, but a lot of the That's ones I always have to edit my list. Cause I feel like my personal list would be a lot of
0: like guilty pleasures. You know?
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not stuff the slumber,
0: people. slumber party, massacre series mm-hmm. can be kind of fun. I remember, I think yeah. the first one was pretty intense, but yeah. What is it? The second one with the guitar player. The second was I can't watch the second one. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. The third one's kind of mean and I almost kind of like the mean part of
1: that one but um it is very different uh april fool's day is kind of a good one there's a lot of that one happens outside in the island there and it's it's by the same producers friday the 13th that frank mancuso jr and it's got amy Steele from friday the 13th part two mm. um and yes you know, definitely a, a slasher uh i guess you know like terror train and prom night are good slashers too you know um, train. prom night probably less than uh terror train um, and then you start you know you start getting into the ones that are a lot more i feel like they kind of evolve over the 80s and now they all start going into that cartoony not on the street dream world kind of stuff um where the the killings are creative but they're all just like they're all nothing that you would ever see in real life and uh or they start going towards the, the of the lamb's direction or the thriller direction or the fatal mm. attraction, like the stepfather, like things that are like way more realistic and way more like tr- drama heavy, um, which I like both, I guess, directions. It's just interesting to see how they kind of evolved it and how even I think like action movies in the eighties became like slasher movies because they were kind of became all about one death after another. And mm-hmm. seeing how it was done too, you know, it was just we weren't scared, we were like with the killer, you know, <laughs> with Schwarzenegger. Um and Commando just like bowing <laughs> down everybody. Um,
0: yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Uh what else? Oh, there was one more I was going to say, but um slipping my mind now. Hmm. Oh well, it's an endless genre. Everybody, you can just keep digging in slasher movies. I've been like I said, it was the first subgenre I got into, and I'm still finding new ones, you know, all the time from yeah. right in the middle of the boom, you know, um, like this was from 1981. How did I miss that? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we just, oh, we just covered New Year's Evil not too long yeah. ago, uh-huh. talking about kind of on the more silly side of things, you know. <laughs> have you
1: have all watched a Bloody Birthday yet? No. I would recommend Bloody Birthday. It's not 100% a slasher. It's more of a killer kid movie but um, they do kill people <laughs> I guess but it's really really fun it's just a fun
0: movie um it's re- really enjoyable I think you would, you would probably like it. Um, yeah it's on the list I my IMDB list right now is oh close to <laughs> 700 movies I think <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, I know um, how you feel. probably 10% of them or more came from you so <laughs> <laughs> well get watching <laughs> Ryan, man. Okay. All right. Well, that's, um, we'll wrap up now. We've been rambling for a while. It's a fun conversation. Cool. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining yeah, I us. I appreciate You're you always having welcome me. To, uh, come back. It was fun talk. And maybe, uh, I would like to, uh, if we're both, it's hard to do with our different time schedules. I'd love to eventually work our way through the series together. You know, that would uh, be, yeah, be, be a lot be of fine. fun. Um, uh, totally. that's something I've always wanted to do is do a take on each, each one of them. So, all right, man. Well, uh, that's. I think that's all for great. today. Any, anything else to say? Cover it all.
1: No, just thanks for having me. And
0: you know, people watch. I agree with Jared. Watch more eighties slasher movies. They're great. Eighties, eighties, eighties horror in general is my favorite. Um, but, all right, we'll stop that there. All right, I'll see you. Uh, say goodbye, Matt. See you next time. Bye. See you next
2: time.